Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Shannon Godward, Public Education Officer with the Richmond Hill Fire and Emergency Services. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, Marge. (laughs) I'm very glad you could uh, do this with me. Shannon, I have been meeting you at events around town for at least a decade. I regret that I've never asked you what you really do with the Richmond Hill Fire Department. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Uh, Is it just fire prevention? Is there more to your job than that? For sure. So uh, my name, like you said, is Shannon, and my title with uh, Richmond Hill Fire is public education officer. Um, Just a little, I guess, background on me. So I've actually been with the city since at that point, it was the town. Uh, Since 2003, I started as a summer student in parks, and then I moved into public works operations. And then in 2008, I started with fire in our administration area, uh, working with the chiefs. And then I moved into fire prevention in 2011. So uh, since then, I've been working in, in, we call it pub ed, but public education Mm -hmm. um, and fire prevention. So my job essentially is about uh, keeping our community safe, about educating our residents, whether they're living or working or, or visiting Richmond Hill, um, giving them the the information and the knowledge and the tools in order to stay safe, uh, make safe choices, and, and to know what to do in an emergency. So we absolutely talk a lot about fire prevention, but we also talk about, you know, what to do in the event of an emergency. Um, We talk about carbon monoxide awareness. We talk about emergency preparedness. We talk about injury prevention and there's all that kind of education and knowledge. Um, But in addition to the, the teaching and the educating that we do, we're also involved in all kinds of other things within the fire service, like, um, coordinating fire department participation at all those community events that you have seen us at, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, running those, our special events, like our open house, our recruit graduations, award ceremonies, all that types of stuff. Um, And then working with other departments within the city and uh, different committees, both locally and provincially. Woo. Okay. I don't (laughs) think you're bored at your job. (laughs) No, no. Anything. We always say that anything that people don't know who to give it to, it ends up on our desk. Okay. So it, it sounds like you do talk to people of all ages and all different types of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, any age, any kind of background, um, any type of group of people, mm-hmm. um, you know, really fire, I, I like to say fire doesn't discriminate. Yeah. So it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, where you come from, you know, what you believe it, it all affects us in the same way. So, um, you know, we all, we all need to be aware and, and conscious of our behaviors and attitudes toward towards fire. Um, mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we we see fires happen every day in Ontario. Um, you know, 
property damage, property loss, lives injured, you know, people lost. Um, if I can throw some stats out at you. Mm-hmm. So we lost 121 people to fires in Ontario in last year, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already lost 110 people to fires in 2022. Mm-hmm. And December is typically one of the worst months for fire fatalities. So mm-hmm. kind of scary numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so that's kind of, you know, the reason that we talked to everybody, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. who it is uh, about fire safety and carbon monoxide and all that stuff. Right. So do you have like different messages for different people? Like, do you have a whole stack of p- pamphlets for different <laughs> old the kids, for the older people, seniors for different yeah. races, uh, different cultural backgrounds? Yeah, a hundred percent. So, I mean, the, the messages in terms of fire prevention and and having working smoke alarms and knowing what to do in the event of a fire. I mean, all the messages are are pretty typical, mm-hmm. regardless of the age of the person that we're talking to. But how we talk to them yes. and how we frame it is obviously going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if I give, you know, fire safety as an example, you know, when we talk to kindergarten and grade ones, you know, we'll talk to them about knowing how to call 911 and what an emergency is and the job of a firefighter and not to be scared of them. Um, you know, and then typically for grade twos with our school program, we talk about home um, escape planning mm-hmm. and we talk about different um, in terms of our school program, we talk about different topics with each grade, mm-hmm. but even something as simple as home escape planning, you know, the way that we talk to it or talk about it with a grade two Mm-hmm. is different than when we talk to a group of older adults. You know, when we talk about home escape planning with a group of older adults, we'll talk about, um, you know, having working smoke alarms and making sure that they can hear the working smoke mm-hmm. alarm. Talk about the different options and technologies that are out there for people that, you know, wear hearing aids or hard of hearing. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about, um, you know, planning around their their mobility and planning around their abilities, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of, of having a home escape plan when, when they're older. So right. a lot of the messages are very similar, but, you know, we will pay attention to different things depending on the group that we're talking to. Right. Uh, you, you already mentioned how in December there are su- such a high rate of uh, fatalities and fires. Mm-hmm. Do your messages vary seasonally? Um. I'd say yes and no. (laughs) So there are, I mean, there's definitely messaging that is, is static all year round. You know, we talk about smoke alarms at all times of year. We talk about home escape planning at all times of year. Mm -hmm. Um, The messages that do change seasonally are more the, the fire prevention messages Mm -hmm. Um, and only because we see different, we tend to see different types of fires at different types of years. So, you know, over the summer, we'll talk about uh, barbecue safety, we'll talk about campfire safety, um, you know, but over the winter, we'll talk a lot more about about heating safety, or, you know, clearing snow from fire, from fire hydrants, and, you know, from the vents of your house, those types of things. Um, so when we talk about smoke alarms, and even some of the, the home fire prevention, like cooking safety, those things are Mm-hmm. pretty standard regardless of the month but then there are those other ones that do change depending on the time of year that we're in oh okay that's uh makes a lot of sense <laughs> um what is the most common cause of a fire um 
So it's going to sound a little funny when I say it, um, but I had a, a colleague a number of years ago say to me, people are the number one cause of home fires. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, and it's not, I mean, it, it does sound, sound funny, but you know, when we think about it, it is, it is the, the actions or the behaviors of us mm-hmm. that really do cause a lot of the fires. You know, there, there are some obviously that, you know, were hundred percent what's going to happen. It wasn't a direct result of something that we did or didn't do, but there's a huge proportion of the fires that we see that were preventable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, were the result of something that we did or didn't do. Um, you know, if we look at the actual causes of fires, if I can call them that, uh, cooking is number one mm-hmm. uh, across the board year after year. Cooking is, is number one and more specifically unattended cooking. So we respond to a lot of what ends up coming through as the pot on the stove call where, you know, someone's put something on the stove and they've walked away and they've got distracted, answered the phone, gone to pick the kids up from school and, you know, and they forgot to turn the stove off, turn the burner off, that type of thing. And then it's, it's caught fire. So unattended cooking is always number one. Um, after that, it, it honestly depends on the time of year. So mm-hmm. number two and number three are typically electrical and heating equipment. And that fluctuates again, obviously depending on the time of year, right? We have a lot more heating fires over the winter than we do mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, and then after that, it's, it's smoky materials and candles. And mm. interestingly enough, smoking materials are not the leading cause of fires, but they are the leading cause of fire fatalities. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I can understand that. So, yeah, I thought yeah. With now the smoking really um, decreasing that it may, there may be fewer, you know, smoking, yeah, gas, there's, smoking, there's, fires, smoking from fires. There's definitely less fires related to those smoking materials. I mean, with the cigarettes, but now we're getting, um, you know, a lot of people that are vaping and we're, mm. it's, it's a whole kind of whole different mm. ball game when it comes to that type of thing. But the, the smoking materials still tend to be the leading cause of fire fatalities because what we find a lot of times is that people will, will smoke when they've been drinking or when they're, you know, they're drowsy or they're sleeping and, you know, the cigarette doesn't fall asleep when you fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, once you're asleep and the cigarette catches fire. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a good scenario at <laughs> all. Okay. No, definitely not. So firefighters do respond to more than just fires, correct? There's correct. other things that you have the fire, the truck, fire truck run, um, leaves the station for. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, so you know, our suppression crews, which is what our kind of formal title for our emergency response firefighters are, mm-hmm. um, 100% respond to more than than just fire. So, you know, that includes things like medical emergencies, uh, motor vehicle collisions, carbon monoxide calls, hydro incidents, gas leaks, uh, kind of all kinds of different things. Um, they are also trained in what we call technical rescues. So those are things like water and ice rescues, uh, hazardous material incidents, trench rescues, confined space. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not just fires that, that they're there the for. Fires, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I worry about people who live in, on, say, the 20th floor of an condo apartment building. Yeah. Is there a different messaging for them from anywhere from a 
you know, what do you do if the pot's on fire? If you're, you know, at home, I can rent out the front door. Yeah. Um, you know, what happens there? So it's, are there different messaging for people who are in the high rise? For sure. Not, not so much on the prevention side of it, but okay. definitely on the, the escape and the evacuation side of it. Cause like you said, when you live, live in a, in a house, it's a totally different thing than if you're living in, in a tall building. Um, and it's honestly becoming challenge isn't the right word, um, but it is becoming a little more difficult for us because, you know, as you're well aware, we're seeing more and more buildings mm-hmm. are getting taller and taller. Um, and we have a lot of people moving into these buildings that are, have never lived in one before, mm-hmm. right? It, it's a first time for them and they don't know what to do if mm-hmm. something happens. They don't know what to do if the fire alarm goes off. So we do try and offer um, information and, and sessions and presentations and that type of stuff to the high-rise buildings in an effort to make sure that all of those residents have the information that they need. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, a different response. So, you know, in a in a house, obviously the faster you get out, the better it's going to be. Um, you know, in less than two minutes, your escape routes can be cut off in, in a single family home. In a high rise building, though, it's a little bit different. So we have what we call our stay or go procedures, um, which essentially means that it's up to the individual to make the decision whether they're going to leave or whether they're going to stay in their unit during a fire. Mm. So what we typically say is that if you are able to use the stairs in order to evacuate and it's safe for you to leave your unit, you want to evacuate. And 100%, if the fire is in your unit, you need to get out, out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if, if you're physically able to use the stairs and it's safe for you to do so, we want you to leave. There is the stay option though too. And what we'll say in that case is that if people are physically not able to use the stairs to evacuate or there is fire in or smoke in the hallway outside their unit, um, then it's probably best for them to shelter in place inside their unit. Mm. So, you know, some people don't know that in a fire or in most buildings, when the fire alarm activates, it automatically grounds the elevators, calls them down to the ground floor. And mm. so that that's so the firefighters have access to get mm. around the building when we arrive. Mm. But that means as a resident you don't have that elevator mm-hmm. to use as an exit. So, you know, if you're not able to use the stairs to evacuate, um, then, you know, you're you're obviously not going to be able to evacuate without the, use, without the use of the elevator. Right. Okay. Ooh. Okay. And what about going out into a balcony? Is that a, an option for someone or? It, it could be. So what we tell people is if they are staying inside their unit um, and they are what we say sheltering in place, um, we tell people to kind of block the um, the gaps that are around your unit door. So, you know, sometimes there's a little crack around the frame of the door. There's a little gap at the bottom of the door. So we'll tell people to, to cover that up, whether it's with towels or, or even duct tape. I've, I've seen people use mm-hmm. just something to, to cover those gaps. Um, we tell them to call 911 from inside their unit. Let us know where they are and why they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's a mobility issue and that's the reason that they're not evacuating, but they're, you know, nowhere close to the 
the, the floor or the unit where the fire is, um, you know, they're probably not at any risk. But if they're inside their unit because the fire's in the hallway, it's a totally different story. So mm -hmm. we'll tell them to call us, let us know where they are and why. Um, they can go to a window or they can go to a balcony. Our kind of word of caution, I guess, with that is that you've got to be really careful um, because fire loves oxygen and the more you give it, the bigger it's going to get. So depending on where the fire is, if you go and, you know, open a balcony door or open a window and you're introducing more oxygen into your unit and the fires in the hallway, it's going to help it grow bigger. Mm. Um, you've also just got to be aware of where the fire is, right? So if it's happening below you, mm -hmm. you know, going out onto a balcony, probably not going to be the safest thing to do because the smoke and flames might be rising to to where you are okay whoa yeah okay <laughs> sorry to think about okay that was not a simple question and answer okay no definitely well, not which is part yeah. of the pro part of the problem and why yeah. we want to get the information out there definitely. to to residents right because it is it's not a simple answer no uh are there special challenges with rescuing pets uh, I'd say yes and no. It it really kind of depends on the pet and the circumstances around it. Um, you know, pets that are like dogs and cats that are able to roam free in the house. Um, you know, sometimes they'll find their own way out. Once a door or a window opens, they'll, they'll be gone. Um, other times they tend to hide. Same as, you know, same as a young kid. If they get scared, they might go hide in a closet or, or something. Um, if it's a pet that's in a crate or a tank or that type of thing, then that, you know, it just adds a, another layer of, of rescuing for the, for the firefighters to do. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, the firefighters who do respond to fires, like suppression, I think is the word you use. Mm -hmm. Yep. They, they do have some specialized training, which I think is different from what you've said that you have had. Can you tell us what the training really is and, um, you know, what, uh, what does a firefighter need to know? <laughs> um, so me for for my position, um, you know, really the fire service has has evolved so much uh, in the years, and it's definitely much more technical and much more specific and specialized now than what it used to be. So really, everybody that works within the fire service and in our department has training that's specific for their role and their mm -hmm. responsibility. Okay. Um, for mine specifically, public education, I uh, NFPA is kind of our, our overarching organization that provides our certifications. So I have certification as a fire and life safety educator, um, mm. a public information officer, a fire inspector, and mm. a fire instructor. Um, mm. I also have training and courses in just in communications. Um, in social mm -hmm. media, emergency preparedness, emergency management. Um, again, you know, fire our fire inspectors, they've got certifications in fire inspections, investigations, building code, mm. all those types of things. For our firefighters, specifically the suppression uh, crews, theirs, again, are very specific to their job and their function. So NFPA has, has standards for firefighter. They have standards for fire officers, which is our, our captains. Um, they have certification and, and training for all of those technical rescues that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. the, the water, ice water, the hazmat, um, all those, all those different things. So it is very, 
very much uh, specialized <laughs> for the job that, that you're doing. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So how many fire stations are there in Richmond Hill? <laughs> we have six, what I'll call operational fire stations. So those are the ones where we have the fire trucks and the fire crews. Okay. Um, and then we also have our headquarters and our training facility, which is located at the city's operation center. Um, and that's where our admin staff, our prevention staff, our training staff work out of. And that's where you're you're out of as well. That's where I am. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Up in Elgin Mills. Okay. That's it. Yep. <laughs> okay. So um how how many firefighters are employed by the city? <laughs> so right now, in terms of suppression, firefighters, we've got about 172, I believe is the, the current number. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have just over 200 staff total, which includes our our prevention staff, our training, our administration, our dispatch, uh, and our mechanics. Great mechanics. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't even think about the mechanics. Yeah. That would be important. Okay. Yeah. We, we got to uh, keep those fire trucks on the road. <laughs> definitely. Okay. Um, how many fe- uh, firefighters are female? Um, right now we have done um, a lot of, or I shouldn't say a lot of, our last few recruit classes, we have definitely increased the number of females mm-hmm. on, on suppression, which is nice to see. Uh, right now we have 11 female firefighters. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay. This may seem like a silly question, but I've always wondered it. Okay. Does each firefighter have their own equipment, like their own boots and coat and everything, you know, pants? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so def- you- definitely not a silly question. No. Okay. I just, <laughs> what, do you guys have to share or what happens? Okay. I forgot yeah. to bring my boots that work. Okay. Yeah. yeah no, they, they, they each have their own. Yeah. It's, it's so kind of specific to them and it's got to fit. Um, you know, it's like putting a kid in a snowsuit, right? If, if it's too big, it's too bulky. The sleeves are too long. The pants are too long, all that, all that type of stuff. Um, so yeah, definitely they, they have their own, um, okay. especially with their face masks. Yeah, because they have to have a a really um, complete seal around yeah. it for for the fresh air. So yeah, everybody has their own, and they actually have two sets of bunker gear. Okay, thank you. Okay, another sort silly question. Okay, are there poles in fire stations? You <laughs> the idea that the firefighter when they hear the alarm come down this pole? Are yes. there poles in fire stations? Um. That's another yes and no question. Um, okay. So there, there are there are definitely stations that do have poles. We did have two stations. Um, so the station in Oak Bridges and the station at Leslie and 16th, 8-2 and 8-3. They did have fire poles in those stations, um, but they have been removed. 8-3 was the last one to come out and that was taken out a few years ago. So okay. we did we did at one point. We don't anymore, but there are definitely others across Ontario and North America that do. Okay, so it's not just a myth. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, the York, for the police, it's, it's York Regional Police. Yeah. But for firefighter, for the fire department, it's Richmond Hill Fire Department. Yes. And I believe there's a Markham and a Vaughn. Yeah. Um, why is that? And like, do you guys help each other? There was a big fire on Bathurst, which is between two. Like, yeah. Yeah. How do you decide? So, yeah, it's it seems to be this way. And I don't know the reason behind it, but that seems to be this this way in a lot of places where 
police and paramedics or EMS are at the regional level and then fire is at the municipal level. So I know it has been talked about a couple times since I've been with fire. Um, you know, the idea of moving from municipal to a regional fire service. Um, it hasn't happened yet. I don't know the reason behind, you know, why it has or has not happened. It's definitely been talked about though. Okay. Um, in terms of working together, a hundred percent, we, we work together. So on the emergency response side, um, all of the eight fire services that are within York have mutual aid agreements, which means, you know, we can help support the other departments, um, you know, so if, if we get if we get a really big fire in Richmond Hill that's utilizing all of our all of our equipment or the majority of our equipment, we can you know put in a mutual aid call to Vaughn or Markham or Central York, and they will help. Um, you know, they'll send trucks into our area to cover, you know, our our municipality and our residents mm-hmm. um, while we're fighting the fire. They're they're dealing with the rest of the emergency calls. Um, same thing happens if. You know, if we have a call and um, we need an additional, say, aerial truck, so, you know, one of the really, really big mm-hmm. ladders, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can call on one of the other one of the other fire services to to send one of those over if we need additional support. Okay. Um, but yeah, and even on the, the prevention side, I know the educators, we meet with the educators at the other fire services on a monthly basis. You know, talk about issues, work together on on different uh, items and initiatives and that type of stuff. So even though we're not at the you know regional level, we are yep. still municipal. There's definitely still a lot of communication and working together. Good. I'm glad to hear there's that cooperation. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, I can't think of any big fire in Richmond Hill lately. I, I've lived here for over 30 years. Is it like... What do what do you have as a memory of a a big fire emergency? Um, knock wood, we've been, actually been pretty lucky. Mm-hmm. You know where we haven't had those really big fires. You know, unfortunately, you you do see some of the other uh, municipalities, and you know, Toronto's had a, a couple really big ones with the Racket Club and some of the other big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we have been fairly lucky where we haven't had anything super super significant like that there are two i would say that kind of jump to the front of my mind if i had to Mm -hmm. name a couple significant ones um earlier this year 2022 we had a townhouse fire um that did Mm -hmm. affect a, a whole block of townhouses um and then in July of 2020, we did it was again another townhouse fire um, that that affected a whole block of townhouses. So, if I had to kind of think of ones that that jumped to the front of my mind, those would probably be t- two of the more significant ones, just because they they were fairly big, um, mm-hmm. and you know, then they they impacted a, a good number of people, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, anything else that you'd like to add about what the Richmond Hill firefighter? are doing (laughs) um what do i want to add i would just say that we're you know the last couple of years with covid has really kind of impacted us and and our ability in terms of education and community relations obviously all the suppression stuff is still happening our emergency response wasn't affected um but COVID really did have an impact on the public education component mm-hmm. of, of what we do, which is, 
um, you know, kind of disappointing. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with things hopefully going back to normal, I think mm -hmm. we're going back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've kind of tried to get back into the swing of things. We're doing our in-person events again, our in-person presentations, our stations have reopened for station tours. So um, I guess I just want people to know that, you know, we're, we're trying to get back to normal and we're trying to get back out there and hopefully we'll see everybody soon and have them come and visit. And, um, you know, if there is any, anybody that wants some information or education, they want to have a presentation, um, please absolutely let us know. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. We're, yeah, you know, yeah, no. me and my job is really here to help make sure that our community is safe. Right. And that, that's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No, it's, I, I would echo that, that you know, for groups, if it's anywhere from a girl guides groups to a yeah. seniors club, to um you know you would be very willing to reach out and, and do a presentation a very yep. worthwhile presentation i've been at many many of them so thank that, you <laughs> yes okay i do end this podcast with the guest response to the question name one thing you really like about this community um i i work here and I actually live here as well, mm -hmm. um, which which is nice. Um, I like that we are so kind of diverse, and um, you know that we've got so many different walks of lives and perspectives, and you know, and opinions and attitudes and and all that type of stuff. It's really neat to see all the different aspects of our community, and in my job I do get to experience a lot of that working with different different groups and different community organizations um and you know I think every day that that I come to work I work with a great group of people um and there's no two days that are the same which is fun and yep. interesting as well um but just being able to you know to kind of build those relationships and and you know make those networks and, you know, meet people like, like you, um, is, is nice to, nice to have. It's kind of, you know, having that, that community is nice to have. Very good. Thank you yeah. for those comments. So, yeah. So thank you, Shannon, for taking the time to do this podcast. And, um, I hope to see you around town soon. You will. I have no doubt. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marj, M-A-R-J, at marjandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.